You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, please give us ears to hear, give us minds to understand and give us hearts to obey, that we might know you, that we might love you and that we might follow in your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you ever think to yourself, why does the church feel so powerless? Why is Christianity such a weak faith? If Jesus really is the Lord of all people, then why doesn't everyone believe in him? Why is there so much evil still in this world? When you look at the world today, that's very easy to ask yourself. And if you're anything like me, then you are yelling at the stupid, sinless people in this world, just thinking, can't you see? Can't you see that Jesus is Lord? Don't you get it? Well, when we come to tonight's passage, these are the questions that we should be asking. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we've been hearing about the kingdom of heaven and that the king has come. But if that is the case, if the king is here, why can't we see it? Where, where is it? Is the king powerless to establish his kingdom? Maybe the king really isn't who he says he is. Maybe he's a fraud. Clearly he's promising one thing and then delivering another. Has the word of the kingdom failed? Well, the answer to these questions is that the problem is not with the kingdom or the king. The problem is with us. See, time and time again, we fail to hear, we fail to understand the word of the kingdom. But before I elaborate on that, I'm going to flesh out some context for this passage because context is your best friend. There's many interpretations that you could have for this passage, but to understand it rightly, you need to understand it in the context. So let's go back to the beginning, not of reality, but the start of this gospel. The start of Matthew's gospel will get introduced to a character uh, who's the main character of this book and the main character of all reality. His name is Jesus. In chapter 1, we learn that he is descended of David and son of Abraham and that his name would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. In chapters 2 through 4, we see how Jesus is the fulfilment of all that the prophets spoke about. He's the coming King of Israel, the Messiah. And from there, Jesus begins his ministry, proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven has come. He then goes about establishing this kingdom. He calls the 12 disciples to be a part of it. In chapters 5 through 7, he describes what this kingdom is like, what its values are, what its principles are. And he says that it's a kingdom not like the kingdoms of this world. It's a kingdom where the meek will inherit the earth, where enemies are loved and the needy are cared for, where treasures are not made of silver and gold, where you don't need to worry because whatever you ask for will be given. It's a kingdom not built on sandstone but on the rock of salvation. 
So after describing the kingdom in chapters 5 through 7, in chapters 8 through 9, he then displays the kingdom. He demonstrates the kingdom. He goes about healing the sick, the lepers and the paralytics. He shows the disciples that they don't need to worry when they are stuck in a storm because he is in control of all things. He shows how when a centurion asks for healing, he receives it. He shows how the kingdom is for the blind, for the mute and the lame. And in chapters 10 through 12, Jesus prepares his disciples for the mission of the kingdom. And Matt spoke about this last week. We saw how the king was gathering his troops, uh, getting them ready for battle. And now in chapter 13, Jesus is explaining why there will be opposition against them as they go into battle. But opposition isn't something new for Jesus. We've seen it right from the beginning of the Gospel. Jesus and his parents had to flee Herod as he tried to kill him. Jesus was opposed by the devil who tempted him in the wilderness trying to snatch the word of God from his heart. And also the leaders of Israel have been opposing him so much, conspiring to destroy him all along. But immediately before our passage, Jesus has been teaching in a house. He's been explaining that whoever does the will of his father, they are truly his family. They are the ones who belong to the kingdom of heaven. And this provides the context for our parable. For it's those who obey the king, those who hear and understand his word, they are part of the kingdom. So what stops people from obeying? Why doesn't everyone do the will of the king? Well, in this parable, Jesus gives us three reasons for this opposition. He explains that there's three things that will stop you from hearing and understanding. These three things are the evil one, tribulation and persecution because of the word, and the allure of the world. So let's get dig dig deeper into this passage. In verses 1 to 3, Jesus sets the scene. Uh, Sorry, Matthew sets the scene and Jesus has left the house where he was teaching and he goes beside the sea but everyone wants to follow him. Everyone wants to be around him so this large crowd follows him and gathers around to hear him. So Jesus has to get on a boat so that he can teach this crowd that is standing on the shore and he tells them this parable. There's this sower sowing seeds with abandon. He's just sowing them everywhere taking handfuls of seed and just scattering them wherever he wants. Some of it falls on a path, some of it on rocky ground, and some of it among the thorns. The seed that fell on these places, it did not produce anything. That which was on the path was eaten by the birds. That which fell on the rocks couldn't take any root. And that which fell among the thorns was choked to death. But thankfully there was seed that fell on the fertile land which did produce grain. It produced a hundredfold, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Now there's many agricultural questions that you might want to ask right now like, why is this guy so stupid? Like why is he just scattering seeds wherever they, they go? How can a crop produce a hundredfold, 30 or 60 times what has been sown? But to ask those questions is to miss the point 
of Jesus telling this parable. Jesus is not trying to provide you with information of how to sow seeds. He's making a point about the kingdom of heaven. And thankfully we don't need to speculate about what that point is because Jesus tells us in verses 18 to 23. He says it's all about hearing. Look at verse 18 and 19 with me. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Let's just stop there. He's told us up front, it's about hearing. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's about hearing and understanding. This, this conception, this hearing and understanding is very common to the people of Israel. It was the failure of Adam and Eve in the garden to hear and understand the word of God that led them to eat from the, trolley, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that caused them to sin. And from that time on, Israel time and time again failed to hear and failed to understand the word of the, God, word of the Lord. And this is the reason why in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, there's a phrase that was very important to the people of Israel. They often repeated it. And that phrase said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This phrase is called the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for hear. It was repeated so that the Israelites would remember to listen to God, would remember who he is and understand that he is He is Lord. That he is the one who brought them out of Egypt, who gave them the land that they possess, who provided food for them to eat. And the prophets constantly called Israel to remember the word of the Lord. But God often punished them for forgetting, for failing to hear because they had a hearing problem. The importance of hearing is carried over into the New Testament. At Jesus' baptism and transfiguration, the voice of God says that Jesus is his beloved son with whom he is well pleased and that we should listen to him. So just as God called the people of Israel to hear him, so now Jesus is calling us to hear the word of the kingdom. Hear, O church, the king is here. The king has come. We need to listen to him. So why don't people listen? Why don't people hear and understand? Well, Jesus explains this using these three soils. Let's look at the first soil. Jesus talks about the soil that is actually a path. He says that seed which falls on this is eaten by the birds and these birds represent the devil. So in the same way that the birds eat the seed, From the path, so the devil eats the seed from your heart, snatches the word of God from your heart. He does this so that we won't hear, so that we won't understand the word of the kingdom. But like you, you might might have a hard time coming to terms with this, that there's a devil who snatches the word of God from people's hearts. We don't have much room for the devil in our worldview, do we? We can too easily explain the realities of this world with science and technology, with chemistry and psychology, with all sorts of different uh, things. We We like to neatly define our world so that we can better comprehend and diagnose and and solve the problems. 
It's hard to fathom that there's an evil power in this world that is totally against us. But all throughout the Bible, and particularly this Gospel, we've seen this. The devil is the one who tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. He's the one who tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He's described as the prince of this world who holds power over demons. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil's very existence is to oppose God because he wants what God has. He wants power and authority and our praise and worship. He wants to be king and so he oppresses us under his power, seeking to turn us away from God. But the good news is that Christianity is not an eternal battle between good and evil. There's no yin and yang, there's no struggle between light and dark, because the devil is not almighty. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even though the prince of darkness has blinded the minds of the Israelites, has blinded the minds of us so that we can't recognise the Messiah. He blinded the minds of the Israelites so that they rejected the Messiah and took him out of the city so that he would be crucified. Even though that has happened, the good news is that though there was a Black Friday, there was also light on Sunday morning. There was Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday morning, because God was not overcome by evil. But God raised Jesus from the dead, overcoming the power of Satan and giving us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord, who has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Friends, the devil is real and he is prowling in our midst. But do not be deceived by his power. For when the Lord returns, he will finally be dealt with, finally caged up and put, put in his place. But he's not the only thing that stops us from not hearing and not understanding the word of God. Jesus says there's two more things. He says that the second soil, which is full of rocks, represents those who are persecuted because of the word of God. Due to this persecution, they turn away from God and stop following him. Though they receive the word joyfully, it doesn't take root in their heart and it's too easily uprooted. It's very easy for us to gloss over this one as though it's not a common occurrence in our world. But this is a very narrow, narrow view of our world, isn't it? Because the majority of world Christianity faces trouble and persecution because of the word of God. According to Open Doors USA, Every month, 255 Christians are killed. Every month, 104 Christians are abducted. Every month, 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed or forced into marriage. 66 churches are attacked. 160 Christians are detained and imprisoned without trial. Friends, these are our brothers and sisters. They dearly need our prayers. But often we don't face persecution or tribulation, not because there isn't any, but 
because we're too scared. I feel this all the time. So often when I should be sharing the gospel, I shrink back and I hide. When I should be standing up for Jesus, I change the subject. I go, go somewhere else. Friends, pray, pray, oh, sorry. please pray that I would have boldness to proclaim the word of the King, that I might have boldness to preach the gospel. Pray that I might trust in God and his word and his power, which is mighty to save. Jesus explains that there's one more reason why some people don't hear and understand. It's that the world is just far too tempting. The seed falls on the soil that is full of thorns. And though this soil is fertile and that it possibly could produce fruit, the thorns choke the life out of the seed, taking all its nutrients, taking all its sunlight. I think this soil is most common for us. See, what we often forget is that there's a reason why we sin, isn't there? We sin because we like it. We like control and power. We like success and status. We like to make the rules and we especially like breaking the rules. We sin because it's something we desire. It looks good to us. And if sin wasn't tempting, then we really wouldn't do it. But we think in our heart that the world has something to offer us. Money, possessions, security, status, physical intimacy, approval, escape. We think that these things will make us whole, that these things will satisfy. But all they do is choke the word of God and distract us from him. But it's not, that, it's not just that sin chokes the word of God from our hearts. It's also many good things that can distract us from the king. Jesus says the cares of this world can distract us too. The care for your husband or your wife, your children or your parents, your job or your friends, your church family. All of these good things can become ultimate things and can distract us from the King. They can take our attention away from hearing God's word and understanding it. But there's a fourth soil, the seed sown on the good soil, which represents those who hear and understand. For the first three soils, they hear the word, but one of these three things stops them from understanding. But hearing needs to be complemented with understanding. That is why theology is often called faith-seeking understanding. For it is those who understand the secrets of the kingdom that can produce fruit for the kingdom. So if understanding is so important, why has Jesus spoken in this way? Why has he told this parable that is confusing? Jesus says he gave this parable that some might hear and that others wouldn't. He wants to divide the people into those who are in the kingdom and those who are outside of the kingdom. The reason for this division isn't for division's sake, though. It's a reality check for those who are outside of the kingdom. He's giving a reality check to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who think they are in the kingdom, but really they're not. They've rejected the king. 
and don't really understand what the kingdom is all about. They think they have the secrets, but Jesus is showing them that they don't. See, maybe the devil has blinded them. Maybe they fell away because of persecution. Maybe the care of this world was too much for them and they cared too much of the things of this world. Whatever it is, though they listen to God's word, they do not understand. They fail to recognise who God is and that he has come amongst us in Jesus Christ. But this this parable is a reality check for us as well. It should prompt you to ask yourself, which soil am I? What is stopping me from hearing and understanding the word of God? This parable should convict you. It should lead you to Jesus. Because every one of us is vulnerable of distractions from hearing the word of God and from understanding it. In fact, in our own strength, we are totally incapable of hearing and understanding Each one of us has been the fool of Psalm 14 who says in his heart, there is no God, but by the grace of God he has given some the gift of the kingdom. By the grace of God he has revealed the secrets of the kingdom, the secret that the king has come, that the king is Jesus and that he has come to save this world. But this should not lead us to pride if we know this, It should point us to Jesus because the reason he gives us is to lead us back to him. It's to point out that we need him. We need to listen to him carefully and we need his help to understand his word. It should lead us to cry out like the psalmist, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Plough up my stubborn heart. Prepare it for your word. Help me to understand, Lord, that I need you. I need your help. I need your grace and your mercy, Lord. Verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 14 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have, been come, they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. The word of God has not failed. The king is not powerless. The problem is not with the king. The problem is not with the word of God. The problem is with our hearts. It's with us. We have a hearing problem because we hear but never understand. We have a heart problem because our hearts have grown dull. We have a vision problem because we are blinded to the reality that the king has come and has inaugurated his kingdom. Friends, throw yourself at the foot of the cross that there you might find grace and mercy. Seek after God in the face of Christ Jesus that there you might find understanding. For the good news is that those who ask, those who seek, those who knock, the Holy Spirit will be given to and he will enable to hear, to understand and to see the King and that he has come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please plough up our stubborn hearts. Please remove the blinds from our eyes that we might see you. Please help us to understand your word that we might love you more and walk in your way. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.